Acts chapter 3, verse number 1 this morning. Now you need to realize here in the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended back up into heaven. Uh, The apostles have gone back to Jerusalem. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come there in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit comes. Uh, If you remember, every man hears Peter speaking and preaching in their own tongue. And uh, 3,000 people uh, get saved back in uh, chapter 2, verse 41. And now here in chapter 3, Peter is about to preach another sermon. And this time, 5,000 people are going to get saved. But before he preaches that sermon, there's a, there's a, they have an encounter as they go up to the temple to pray. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple. Now, Peter and John, if you remember, they, they were buddies. They were fishermen. They knew each other. Um, so here, Peter and John, they go up together into the temple at the, ninth, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. This is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we were talking about this in Sunday school a little bit, but the Jewish day started at 6 a.m., went to 6 p.m., okay? So this ninth hour would be about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Verse 2, it says, And a certain man, lame, crippled from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, this lame man, seeing Peter and John, about to go into the temple, asked an alms, or a gift. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately His feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, the crippled man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. I love this next part. Walking and leaping and praising God. I can't can't help but imagine this guy. He just got healed and he didn't get up off the ground and go. You You ever seen a Dick Van Dyke movie? You know how, you know, like Mary Poppins, you know how Dick Van Dyke's all lanky and everything? You know, and just kind of like a wobbly kind of person. I don't see that. I mean, this guy is like, woohoo! I mean, wouldn't you be? I, I, just, I just love the, those, that little phrase there, walking and leaping and praising God. He had to try out those new legs, man. He had to, he had to take them for a spin. I don't, that's just awesome. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. He was making a skeptical. They couldn't help but see him. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. This morning, I want to preach a sermon entitled Running in the Right Direction running in the right direction. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for those that were able to be out today. I just pray, Lord, that that there would be something here for each and every one of us. Lord, thank you for working in my heart and in my life. And Lord, I just pray that, uh, I just pray that this would be an encouragement, a challenge, uh, whatever it needs to be. But Lord, may you just work in our hearts 
and we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't know this, but before the NFL, before professional football, I guess there was only one college bowl game, and that was the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. I didn't know that. But in 1929, uh, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson in his, in his seminars tells this story. But anyway, Roy Rigels or Regals desperately wanted his team to win. The scores were tied. Now, in a crucial moment of that game, Roy Rigels scooped up a loose ball. He cut in and out of traffic, eluding tacklers with breathtaking athleticism. He sprinted the distance of the field, 68 yards. But he was tackled one yard shy of the goal line by his own teammate. <laughs> Roy Rigels lost his bearings and had run the wrong way. For the rest of his life, he was not known for his remarkable athletic abilities. In fact, if you look him up, from what I understand, he was an All-American. I think he was a uh, center. Um, uh, but anyway, from what I understand, he was a phenomenal football player, but he was not known for that. In fact, he became known as Roy the Wrong Way Rigels. So Dr. Wilkinson, in, in his seminar, in his book or whatever, wrote this. Run with speed. Run with power. But ultimately, all that matters is the right destination. You have to run in the right direction. And ladies and gentlemen, I would say that all of us in our lives were kind of running. But what are we running towards? Or maybe more importantly, what, are, what or who are we running towards? This morning, I want to preach to you about this crippled man, but ultimately... I want you to see this morning that Jesus is the one that we need to be running to. He's the direction we should be running. We should all be running to Jesus. First thing I want you to think about this morning is this crippled man. Notice verse 2, it says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. A couple thoughts. First of all, I want you to realize this. He was broken. He was broken. The Bible says he was lame from birth. This man had never walked. This man had never stood. He was broken. In chapter 4, verse 22, the book of Acts says that he was over 40 years old. Here's a man for 40 plus years who had never stood on his own two feet, had never walked, had never run. He was broken. Not only was he broken, but he was also beggarly. Now, yes, he's sitting here at the temple and he's begging, but the thing I want you to realize is in verse 2, the very first four words, and a certain man. He is nobody. He's of no importance. He's not a ruler. He's not a business owner. He's not wealthy. He is nobody. He is just a common man who's broken who's broken, but he was beggarly. Not only was he broken and beggarly, but notice this, he was brought. Now, I, I know some of you, some of you don't like to ask for help. I know some of you, you you're not going to ask. 
if you were to work with my father-in-law and you know what whatever you're building or doing if you were to ask him hey do you want help with that he's not gonna say yes he's gonna say something like well if you want to that's how he's gonna respond but he is not gonna say yes help me now if you were just to walk up like if he's carrying something heavy and you should walk up and grab the other side of it it'd be fine but he is not gonna say hey help me I can kind of understand that but I know some of you you're not gonna ask for help you will struggle you will fight you will scrap and scrape and do whatever you have to do but you're not gonna ask for help this man was helpless he couldn't do anything for himself they had to carry him every day to the temple so that he could beg so that he could ask for alms so he could ask for a handout because that was the only way he was going to get by in life so he was broken he was beggarly he was brought and but the last thing i want to think about is this he was busy he's busy Now, I realize we all might have our own stereotype ideas. We all might have our own opinions about people that are, you know, standing in the median at a red light or people that are on a corner. But listen, he set all that aside. The only option he had was to beg. It was the only thing he could do. He couldn't work a job. So he had to beg. I would imagine that's pretty humiliating I would imagine that was pretty humbling, but he was busy about it. He was doing it. He's about three-fourths of the way through his day, and here come Peter and John walking into the temple, and he is asking for alms. He is begging. A few thoughts I want you to think about. Number one, this guy was completely hopeless. Can you imagine his parents and what they probably tried? Don't you think they probably took him to a doctor? Don't you think they probably tried to get in touch with an expert or somebody that maybe could help their child? But nothing worked. This man's been crippled for 40 plus years. He is hopeless. There was no remedy. He had no answers. I would assume that he and his family have exhausted everything they could, and this man is stuck where he's at. Let me ask you a question. You hopeless today? Are you hopeless? Is there something in your life? Is there a circumstance, a situation? Is there something that keeps you up at night? Is there something that you can't wrap your head around? Is there something in your life that you just feel like it's just completely hopeless? That's how this man was. He was hopeless. Not only was he hopeless. Well, let me. I want you to think about this. In Luke chapter eight, verse forty-three, you have the story of the woman with the issue of blood, whom Jesus healed. But in verse 43 of Luke 8, it says, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. That woman with the issue of blood was completely hopeless. She had tried and exhausted every option, yet she was hopeless. Are you here today? Do you feel hopeless about something? Maybe it's, maybe it's something at home. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's something with your spouse. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's something with, between you and God. But is there something in your life and you just feel completely hopeless? Whatever it might be. 
Not only was he hopeless, but he was also helpless. He was helpless. He couldn't help himself. He couldn't better himself. He had to be carried to the temple. Do you feel helpless? You don't have any hope? Feel helpless? You don't know what to do? You know what I think one of the biggest dangers is when we feel hopeless and helpless? We get to a point where we just accept it and we quit. It just becomes the norm. Yeah, well, I can't do anything about it. Yep, I can't fix it. Well, it's not getting any better. So we just quit. And we give up because we don't see any hope and we can't find any help. Not only was he hopeless and helpless, but thirdly, he was hungry. He was there begging. He was getting what he could. He was doing what he could. He was hungry. How many of you are hungry right now? No, put your hands down. Don't think about that. You're always hungry. Um, are you hungry for a solution? You know, it is amazing how you can help somebody who's hungry. Somebody who wants an answer, somebody who wants to fix it, somebody who wants to actually do something about something, it's amazing how you can help that person. But ladies and gentlemen, somebody who's not hungry, you can't help them. You can't help them. You can't force somebody to eat. You can't force somebody to want to fix it. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you hungry? Even though you might be hopeless in your situation, maybe you feel helpless in your situation, but here's my question. Are you hungry? Do you want to see it resolved? Do you want to see it restored? Do you want to see it fixed? Because listen, if you're hungry, there's an answer. There's an answer. And you know what that answer is? That answer is Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, this is the woman at the well. He said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. And he's the one you need to run to. That's the direction you need to go. Stop trying everything else. Stop trying to figure it out and start running to Jesus. That's where you need to go. So you have this crippled man. But the second thing I want you to think about this morning is the concerned men. Here you have Peter and John. Notice verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in alms. Verse 4, and Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. A couple things about these concerned men. Number one, I want you to think about this. Concerned people, pay attention. Concerned people, pay attention. Notice what it says. It says, they saw him. He went in, seeing Peter and everything, and he calls out to them for an almond, verse 4, and Peter, fastening his eyes 
upon him. This means to stare. This means to look, to, to, to look with intensity, to, to try and figure out and to, to you know, pay attention to. And here Peter looks at this man. And maybe Peter's looking at him, he's going, okay, I think he's crippled. Maybe he's processing in his mind. He's crippled um, and he's noticing things about this guy. But he fastens his eyes on him. Let me ask you guys a question. You ever been in Denver or coming out of Walmart in Fort Morgan and there's somebody standing on a corner with a piece of cardboard? Have you ever seen somebody like that? Okay, how many of you do this? Like you're in your, okay, you're in your car, you're in your truck, you roll up to the stoplight and you see them and they start to look your way and it's, right? Or it's like, oh man, I really got that important email, got to answer that, got to take care of that, you know, handling my business, you know, all of a sudden. There's something really important. Why? Because we don't want to make eye contact. Because if he sees me and I see him, it could get really awkward. You know what's really awkward? Now, I haven't really seen this here, but you go into Denver and you got those concrete medians. You got those guys that walk up and down the concrete median. That's when it really gets awkward because you're like the third or fourth row car back and you're like, I'm safe. But then here they come with their sign and it's like oh man you know oh i gotta look at my navigation real quick make sure i'm going the right way oh yeah i gotta go up here pretend you're talking to somebody when there's nobody else in the car <laughs> peter makes eye contact peter's concerned so peter pays attention you know why because he cares unconcerned people don't pay attention Unconcerned people don't notice. Unconcerned people are just concerned about themselves. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes talking about Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Notice that, but when he saw. You see, Jesus' eyes affected his heart. And ladies and gentlemen, when we pay attention, our heart will be affected. Peter paid attention. Why? Because he was concerned. It mattered to him. He cared. So Peter paid attention. Concerned people pay attention. Not only do they pay attention, but concerned people take opportunities. Peter speaks to the guy. Now listen, I realize some of you here, you have the gift of gab. You can talk to a fence post. I admire you. I wish I had that skill. It's like yesterday. Um, we enclosed the majority of our front porch because it leaks into our basement, so we enclosed it, and I'm trying to finish it. And yesterday afternoon, I'm in there and I'm painting, and my wife is wanting to have a conversation with me while I'm painting this, these walls. And I'm kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm like trying to cut this in and do this over here. And she's like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And hey, what about this? And I'm kind of like, You know, guys don't multitask, remember? No, 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 we're not going to go down that road too far. <laughs> Listen, some of you, you, got, you, you just have the ability to communicate and to talk. I'm not necessarily that guy. I'm telling you right now, if me and you are, we're riding somewhere in a vehicle, and, uh, you know, I might ask you a question or two, but I'm going to tell you right now, after that, 
it's on you. Because we're going to ride in silence if you don't have anything else to say. I'm just not a small talker. I'm just not. And some people, like pastor, are that way. And I wish I was more that way, but that's just not who I am. But anyway, Peter speaks to him. For some of you, that is scary. He just talks to this guy. He doesn't even know him. No, he doesn't know him. But he talks to him. You guys might say, well, what do you say? I don't even know what I would say to somebody. You don't have to know what you're going to say. Listen, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to talk to somebody, just be obedient. Just take the opportunity. Concerned people will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in those moments, and they will take those opportunities. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Listen, you don't have to know what to say. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, Jesus said, And when they bring you into the synagogues and the magistrates and powers, notice this, Take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. Verse 12. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour, in that moment, the Holy Ghost will teach you what ye ought to say. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God isn't looking for you to have it all figured out. God isn't looking for you to have it all mapped out in your mind so I can say this, and then they'll say this, and I can say this, and this, and this. God does, God's not looking for that. God wants you to be willing to speak. And he says, you know what? When that moment comes, I'll tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit has an amazing ability to bring things back to our memory. Maybe it's something we heard at church. Maybe it's something we read in our devotions, whatever it might be. And he has an amazing way of bringing that back to our memory. And boom, I know what to say. But we got to speak. We got to be willing to take the opportunity. So these concerned men, not only did they pay attention and take the opportunity, but the third thing is they offered solutions. They offered solutions. Have you ever asked somebody a question and they had no answer? How frustrating is that? Have you ever watched a YouTube video and it gave you no answer? Have you ever tried that? I mean, not getting an answer is frustrating. Listen, these men had an answer. That answer was Jesus. And listen, your answer is the same. Your answer is Jesus. They had a solution. And the last thing is this. They got out of their comfort zone. And this is the part that hurts. Getting uncomfortable. How many of you like to be uncomfortable? Yeah. How many of you love going camping and sleeping on the ground? I got a couple. I got a couple. Okay. Now we're not talking about like a little air mattress. No air mattresses. No, right on the ground. Now listen, I, I do. I, I really do. I enjoy camping. I like camping, hiking, getting outside. I love that kind of stuff. But sleeping on the ground, it kind of starts to rot after a while. It gets old. It does. It does. I mean, I'll do it. But it gets old. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We like to be comfortable. We like to be right in our sweet spot. And we don't like to get anywhere near the edge. We don't like to get out of it. We like to be right in our sweet spot. 
Listen, if you're going to be a concerned person, you're going to get uncomfortable sometimes. It might be sending somebody a text, and it's like, man, I don't know what to say, but this is what I'm going to say. You can ask Mrs. my wife. I'm always, I'll type something up on my text, I'm like, shh, 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 and I'll be like, does this sound okay? You realize, like, text, have you ever taken a text the wrong way? Have you ever gotten mad? Have you ever read a text and been like, what? And mad? And then you find out, like, the explanation, you're like, oh, sorry, I overreacted. That's kind of the way texts work. You've got to be careful with text messaging. You ever made a phone call? You ever seen somebody at church and maybe their eyes were welled up and you thought, man, they look, they look sad. Give them a phone call. What do I say? It makes me uncomfortable. That's okay. It's good to get out of your comfort zone. We come into church and we have our spot where we sit and we go to that spot and we sit there. Why don't you get up and walk to the other side of the building and walk up and shake somebody's hand and say hi? Whoa, that's just not me. Well, that's fine. Get uncomfortable. Why don't you actually show some concern for somebody else? I know. I know. It's sensitive. But you see, sometimes we come to church and we want people to be concerned about us. I'll come in and I'll sit down and hopefully the preacher walks up and shakes my hand and asks me how I'm doing. But how many people did you talk to and ask them how they're doing? See, concerned people get uncomfortable. Concerned people take opportunities. Concerned people offer solutions. And concerned people pay attention. Do you realize in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the writer of Hebrews said that we should consider one another to provoke to love and good works? That word consider means we're supposed to analyze each other. Not to judge, not to think less of, but we're supposed to pay attention to each other. That way when Joe Camacho walks in and he's got his head down and, and he looks different or something seems off, that I realize it and I can go up to him and say, hey Joe, how you doing today? Something, is, is everything all right? Is something going on? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? We're supposed to pay attention to each other as Christians. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. And trust me, I get it. I get it. I like my comfort zone. But these guys were concerned. They were concerned about this crippled man. So not only do you have the crippled man and the concerned man, but the last thing I want you to notice this is this, the changed man. The changed man. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This changed man, first of all, when you think about this, the agent of change, it's Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the only one who can help you. Think about his track record. In John chapter 4, Jesus healed a nobleman's son. In Matthew chapter 8, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. We're not going to go down that road either. Anyway, um, Mark chapter 1, he healed a leper. In Matthew chapter 9, he healed a paralyzed man uh, who came down through the roof. 
In John chapter 5, he healed a cripple. In Luke 6, he healed a withered hand. In Luke 7, he healed a centurion's servant. In Luke 7, he raised a widow's son back to life. He healed the lady with the issue of blood in Luke 8. He raised Jairus' daughter back, uh, back to life in Mark chapter 5. He healed two blind men in Matthew 9. He healed the deaf and the dumb in Mark 7. He healed a blind man in Mark chapter 8. He healed a blind man in John chapter 9. He healed a stooped-over woman in Luke 13. He healed a man with dropsy in Luke 14. He healed 10 lepers in Luke 17. He raised Lazarus from the grave in John 11. He healed blind Bartimaeus in Matthew chapter 20. And he healed Mal uh, Malchus' ear in Luke 22. Jesus has a track record of helping, of healing, of bringing hope and help. Jesus is the answer. John chapter 21 and verse 25 is a really cool verse. It says this. John said, and there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, these things, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Ladies and gentlemen, what a thought. The impact of Jesus in a life, this world cannot contain the volumes it would take to write it all down. And that very same Jesus wants to work in your life. He's the one he wants you to run to. Jesus, Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we gotta be real careful because the truth is, is we put a lot of faith in a lot of books and a lot of counselors. We put faith in a lot of blog posts. We put faith in a lot of so-called experts. And we put a lot of faith in all kinds of things and we think, oh, that's going to help. We even go to a Christian counselor. But if we're not careful, we'll put more faith in that Christian counselor than we put in Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where your faith needs to be. Not in a book. I'm not saying books don't help. But your faith better be in Jesus and not the book. I'm not saying blog posts and YouTube videos and counselors and, rant and, and friends and other things aren't necessarily helpful. But you better have your faith in Jesus. He's the only one that'll help you. People say, well, it just didn't work for me. Then your faith wasn't in Jesus. That's where you need to run to. That's the direction you need to run. You need to run to Jesus. Stop running to books and blogs and friends and counselors and everything else and start running to Jesus. Just as Peter said, look on us, he demanded this man's attention. Jesus demands your attention. And he deserves your attention. You ever thought about, you think about this. This man's just over 40 years old. Do you realize he knew about Jesus? Do you think maybe there were days when this man sat at the gate to the temple and he thought, 
Maybe Jesus will come in the temple today. Maybe I'll finally get to see him. Maybe he'll pass through. And maybe he'll heal me. You think maybe you ever had that thought? But now Jesus is gone. It's obvious he never encountered Jesus, or at least Jesus never healed him. Not until now. Not until now. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the one who is able to help you in your hopeless and helpless moments. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, if you will run to Jesus, he's able to do things that you can't even imagine. In Hebrews 4, verses 15 through 16, the Bible says, We have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way you're going to get rest from your hopeless and helpless situation is by going to jesus the agent of change it's jesus it's jesus not only was there the agent of change but also notice this it was an abrupt change it happened immediately the bible says it says there in in verse uh seven and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength how many of you have ever done any physical therapy did it take you a little while to get going? I remember when I was in college, I tore my ACL playing basketball on my right leg. And uh, so I started doing some physical therapy and stuff, and then I finally had it repaired. And um, I remember they would put me on the bike, and the goal was to get a full revolution eventually. But man, you know, I could only go so far. And it was just working that knee back and forth. And man, it was painful. And you would work it, and you would work it, and you would work it, and you would work it. And finally, you'd get it around. And what an accomplishment. But man, you, you, you read and you hear stories. You, know, you, think of, you think of people in the military who have severe injuries, and they have to learn how to walk again or learn how to walk with a prosthetic limb or whatever that situation might be. And there are people who go through some very intense physical therapy i can't imagine learning how to walk again some of you many of you in here some of you in here you have little kids right now and maybe you're trying to help them walk you know and they hold your fingers and you help them walk my mom told me that when i was a little kid she gave me two carrots and i would hold those carrots and that's how i learned how to walk i don't know whatever but anyway There's none of that. There's no relearning how to walk for this man. Th think about when you had little kids and how you, you remember, you'd hold them up, and you'd be like, all right, go to daddy, and you'd let go, boom. you pick him back up. Go to daddy, boom. You know, and then you try to, you ever try to give him a push? Go to daddy, boom. Peter and John didn't pick this guy up and go, Walk to the wall. They didn't do that. He was healed immediately. And ladies and gentlemen, he wasn't just healed. He also knew how to walk, how to leap, how to jump. 
and how to land. There are some of you, if we brought you up here and said, hey, I want you to jump from right here down to there, you'd go, no. Because right now you just don't possess necessarily the strength and the ability to land that. This man didn't have to be taught any of that. When God healed him, he was fixed. He was right. He was how he was supposed to be. What an amazing thing. Listen, do you realize the same God that did this for this crippled man wants to do the same thing in your life? He wants to do the exact same thing for you. Regardless of what your situation is, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of who's involved, regardless of what's going on, God wants to work in your life. And he wants to do something miraculous. But you're going to have to let him. You're going to have to run to Jesus. You're going to have to run to Jesus. And here's the amazing thing about change. People are going to see it. If you look back in Acts chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, and they knew. It's amazing how obvious it is when God works in somebody's life. It is amazing. You see somebody who accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and boom, their face lights up. You see something click in a Christian's head, and you see them make a decision and say, you know what? I'm just going to give it all to God. It's amazing to watch their face light up. It's amazing to watch their life, their actions, their choices change. It's amazing how we play this game like we can just kind of hide it like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love God and God matters to me and blah, 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 blah. And we, we, we pretend like we can kind of play this game. But the truth is, is it's pretty obvious. It gets pretty obvious who is running to Jesus and who's trying to figure it out on their own. It gets pretty obvious. And ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I challenge you, run to Jesus. He's the only one that can help you. Run to Jesus. I want to read, read a song to you. you. Maybe you've heard this song, but I want to read the words to you. The song goes like this. I was working in town one afternoon, attending some business affairs. I heard a commotion a couple streets over and wondered, what's happening there? A young man was running from in that direction and stopped just to catch his breath. I asked him, please tell me, what's the hurry? And he smiled and he said, I was trying to catch the crippled man. Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl, he's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man. He saw it all. Ask the blind man. He saw it all. So my friends, if the troubles and burdens you carry are heavy and dragging you down, and you've tried everything you can possibly think of, and there's no relief to be found. That very same Jesus that altered the future of the blind man, the deaf, and the lame is still reaching out in your hour of trouble. 
and one touch, and you're never the same. I was trying to catch the crippled man. Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl, he's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man. He saw it all. Ladies and gentlemen, the same Jesus that altered the future of the blind, the deaf, and the lame is the very same Jesus that wants to alter your life and work in your situation too. This morning, I challenge you, run to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. But Lord, more than anything, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your only begotten son who left everything behind to come to earth and to walk this earth, to die for our sins, to offer us eternal life, to forgive us. Lord, we're so undeserving. But Lord, all too often, I feel like we just take you for granted. We put our faith in ourselves and in so many things, and in reality, we don't actually put our faith in you. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to run to Jesus. Paul said, forsaking everything, he pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He ran to Jesus. God, help us to run to you and let you work in our situation, however hopeless it may be. Keep our eyes closed and our heads down if, just for a moment, if you would. But I want to ask you this morning, listen, the number one hopeless and helpless situation you have this morning is sin. The Bible is very clear, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No, there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible is very clear that we all were born sinners. And ladies and gentlemen, God has to judge sin. And that's why he sent his son. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, God judged the sin of the entire world. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The number one thing that you need help with this morning is your sin. And if you've never called on Jesus Christ and asked him to save you, ladies and gentlemen, you're still in your sin. And he stands there ready and willing to forgive and to receive you. So I ask you this morning, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Has there been a moment when you've called on the name of Jesus and asked him to save you? And then my other question is for you Christians. Are you running to Jesus? What are you running to? Where's your faith? Are you trusting in anybody and everything else? Are you just trusting in the thought of Jesus? Jesus demands your attention. Run to Jesus. Forsake everything else. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Present your body a living sacrifice. Say no to everything else and yes to Jesus. And make him the priority. Make him the one you're running to. We're going to stand. We're just going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're not going to sing this morning. I'm just going to let Lara play through it. Let's stand, please. You can stand. 
I'm just going to let Lara play through one more verse. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, Thane and I are up here. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you. We have deacons and ushers. They'd love to talk to you. If you're a lady, my wife would love to talk to you. Maybe you'd like some more information, some more clarity on running after Jesus, of running in the right direction, of making him the priority in your life. We'd love to help you with that too. I surrender all. Thank you for being here today. It's good to see each and every one of you. Uh, pray for Pastor and Mrs. Monday. They will be coming back, I believe, Thursday. They'll be heading back this way. Um, so pray for them, that God will just keep them safe as, as they travel back. But uh, also pray that just their time away was refreshing and that uh, there'll just be a renewed spirit for Pastor when he comes back and uh, just that being away was good for him and just be in prayer for them as they travel. And But anyway, it was so good to see you today. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Eric. Would you close this afternoon, please?